Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today, we are going to continue our study of the book of Judges, chapter 11. We are reading 11b, the second part of chapter 11. And we are reading about the saga and the leadership of Yiftach, of the judge Yiftach. Now, the... um, just a reminder, in 11a, we read of his story. He was an outcast. He was a son of a prostitute. His supposedly legitimate siblings threw him out of the family. He ended up leading a band of brigands and thieves uh, in the wilderness until eventually uh, the time came that the people were at war with Amon. They desperately needed a leader, and they sent a message to Yiftach, and um, asking him to be the leader. And Yiftach said, if I lead and I'm successful, uh, then the people would have to fulfill their promise to him to make him the leader of the people. They said, okay. Yiftach started off his confrontation by an attempt at, um, at um, with an attempt at uh, uh, a, a diplomatic solution to the problem. Uh, the, peop- the leader of Amon didn't, didn't accept his diplomatic arguments, <clears throat> so war is now inevitable. And that's where we pick up the story. This, the portion that we're going to read today and study together today is one of the most difficult uh, chapters to read in the entire Tanakh, and the entire uh, books of the prophets. <clears throat> the story of Yiftach and the sacrifice of his daughter is painful, difficult, and troubling and therefore the subject of many um, uh, attempts at at understanding it, at trying to give it some sort of understanding. I want to point out that the classical medieval commentaries and the rabbis of the Talmud had a path to understanding many of these types of events. Um, the, the two big ones that come to mind are this one, which we're about to read today, and the story of David, of David and, and, and Bathsheba, and the uh, sin of Bathsheba, and, the, um, bringing, uh, and how that, that all came down. And both of those are stories that are very difficult to, um, to wrap our heads around. Uh, now, David is, uh, is a hero, right? He's portrayed throughout uh, the Bible as a hero. And, um, and in that particular story, imagining that the great David could be guilty of such a sin. And as we, famously, the rabbis of the Talmud, and then in their path, the medieval commentaries um, went, they tried to explain it away. And when we study that story later on, we'll get into that in more detail. Today, we're going to read the story of Yiftach, who is not remembered as a hero, nor is he remembered as a terrible guy. He just uh, kind of was um, a, a sign of how low the people had gotten that a person like him could be the leader. <clears throat> now, um, nonetheless, what he did and what we're about to read is so difficult that the Talmudic attempts and the attempts at the, at the medieval commentaries to explain it, that it doesn't mean what it actually says, are, are, are common. And... I want to lay out what my approach is going to be. 
I am not here to say what is right and what is wrong and how to interpret or how to read these verses. There's many legitimate ways to read them, many legitimate ways to understand the story. But the point that I, I'm going to try as best as I can do is to convey the meaning of the text, to translate and describe to the best of my ability, as I have been until now, I believe, in this um, podcast, to convey what the text actually says. Um, once, when I do, after I do that, we may comment a little bit on some of the other ways of understanding it, what it might mean, so on. Most of that I'm going to leave to you. But what my purpose is to stick as close to the actual text as possible because it was written this way for a reason. Whether or not you choose to believe that this is what actually happened, that's up to you. But what is written is what is written, and it was written that way for a reason. So let's read it, let's understand it, let's absorb the story, and then, um, and then take it from there. Uh, and I, will, I do also want to point out that the approach that I'm taking is very much the same approach that uh, Rabbi Michael Hatton, who writes the book that I've quoted, uh, I think more than once so far, uh, he writes the book in the Magid series on Tanakh that is published by Koran Publishers, and he wrote their volume on Judges. That entire series, by the way, is an excellent series. I highly recommend reading each and every one of the books. They're all great in their own right. And so is this book on Judges. He also takes this approach. And some, many of the observations that I'm going to make are observations that he makes as well. And therefore, I want, you know, I just, I want to make sure I give credit where credit is due. So now, with that introduction, let us read this painful episode. And the Spirit of God was upon Yiftach. Okay? So Yiftach was a leader. He clearly had God at his back. He was, uh, in terms of being a successful leader at this point so far. And he, and he passed through. Uh, this gives the impression of marching through Gilad, the area of Gilad, which is the area that is under threat by Ammon right now, and Menashe and the, um, the portion, uh, you know, Gilad was under that, uh, was settled by that portion of the tribe of Menashe. By Avor at Mitzpeh Gilad, and he passed through the Mitzpeh Gilad, Umi Mitzpeh Gilad, which is a region within Gilad, Umi Mitzpeh Gilad. From there, Avar Bnei Ammon, he passed, he crossed over towards the place where the people of Ammon were encamped. Now, Yiftach then does something which we do find many times. Interestingly, one of the times we find this, um, where a person makes a vow to God before a difficult uh, um, uh, event is going to happen, saying, God, if you help me, I will do something. This is a, p- a pattern we find in the Torah many times. Interestingly, if you recall in 11a, in the last podcast, we read from the book of Numbers, Bamidbar 21, Perak Chaf Aleph, where we read of the wars and battles between uh, the people of Israel when they were being led by Moshe, by Moses, through the wilderness, and they encountered these very lands where all this action is taking place right now on the eastern side of the Jordan. When they first were, when they were attempting to pass and they couldn't pass through um, Edom, and they couldn't pass through Moab because they didn't allow them to pass through their lands. There was a story there, if not verse 21, that's Bamidbar Chaf Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, that the Kenani Melech Arad, the king of Arad, the, a Canaanite king, heard that the, the people of Israel were coming and they, they 
And they took some people of Israel captive. And then it says over there, The people of Israel made a netter to God and said, right? If God gives this nation, this, the Canaanite nation coming against us in our hands, I will then make their cities cherem, right? I will make their cities cherem means that people will not be allowed to benefit. Sometimes cherem means and then therefore uh, the, the goods will be given to God, given to the temple, given to God, or, um, or just completely left alone. Now this there, and then the, and God listened, and they, um, and the people were successful in battle, and they kept their word and made it cherem. We saw the same thing by Joshua and um, and uh, and Jericho and Yericho, where people where people were to make it cherem. The idea of making something cherem is is to uh, emphasize the point to God and say we're not doing this because we want bounty, because we want uh, we're doing this for a good reason to rescue ourselves, to to conquer the land. Um, in, in God's honor to, to so on, but for some, for some, for some higher purpose, for some uh, hopefully just purpose, but, um, but not because we want to get rich and, and wealthy and benefit from the bounty. Now, so, and we also find it with Jacob, with the most famous place, um, uh, uh, so, so is, where, is where Yaakov of you know, Jacob, the, when he was about to travel to, uh, to Lavan, to Laban, um, and, and, and he was alone. He made a promise to God that if you um, if you help me when I come, then when I come back to this place, I will I will uh, make this place uh, uh, an altar to you and pray to you, God, and so on. So over here, using that same language I just read from Bamidbar, just switch out the word Yisrael to the word Yiftach. Here we have verse thirty: Vayidar Yiftach neder ladonai vayomar. And Yiftach made a promise to God and said, Ibnaton titain et bnei amon biadi. This is virtually the identical words to what we just saw in Bamidbar. Just switch out this nation for Amon and Israel for Yiftach, and you get it. Number one, it's this is a personal neder, a personal vow of Yiftach, not a vow of the entire people of Israel, which is what happened before that battle. And remember, Yiftach had been using the terms ani, I, and so on. I emphasized this before, that arrogance that he had looking at himself as the one. He, yes, he did say that he's doing this for God, but he was constantly taking credit for himself. But what does he say then? V'haya, and it will be. Hayotse. That, now this is, um, the, the, how to translate this is, is very important because, and, and Michael Hatton points this out, but hayotse usually would mean he that comes out, right? Asher that comes out of the doors of my house, likrati, to greet me. Bishuvi bishalom ibne Amon, when I come back in peace from my battle against the people of Amon. Ladonai, and he will be for God, Vahalitihu Ola, and I will offer him as an offering. Now, many translations translate so the 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 uh, michael hatton also makes the point and there is um numerous times i think um uh, scores of times where the torah uses the language you hear okay those words always 
every time it's used in Tanakh and it's used repeatedly always means a person meeting a person, right? Um, I, uh, so it, it's every single time it's used, it always means um, that. So let's say Likrat, the um, the uh, uh, Michael Hatton uh, in his book records close to, uh, to forty times where those terms are used, and it always refers to a person meeting a person. So it's virtually certain that the meaning of this verse is that the person who walks out of my house will be brought as a human sacrifice to God. Now, and it also makes sense because it's leaving his house. He doesn't say leaving my field or leaving my, the, the pen where they keep the animals. However, I will say that the, um, the, uh, the, um, the rabbis of the Talmud and the medieval commentaries and based on uh, them and others would translate this, that which, as opposed to he which comes out, right? It's that which comes out. In Hebrew, there is no it term, right? So it could mean it rather than he. So Asher say it which comes out of my house will then be brought as a as a carbon, as a as a sacrifice. And in other words, with the assumption that it will probably be the first animal that walks out, I will bring as a sacrifice. And then the rabbis just simply criticize Yiftach for, you know, that's irresponsible. How do you know what kind of animal is going to walk out of your house? Maybe it won't be appropriate for a sacrifice. However, um, uh, I'm, I'm reading what the words mean and what the words would have meant in almost any other context and therefore almost certainly mean here. So Yiftach has basically just said that he wants to give a human sacrifice, which is, which is contrary to everything we know about what God wants from us. So what this really shows here is that Yiftach might have been a very patriotic Israelite, or at least a member of the tribe of Manasseh. Uh, uh, he, was, he wanted to beat over Ammon, and he wanted to be loyal to God. But he didn't understand the difference between God and the God, that's with a capital G, and the gods with a small g of all the other nations around. He didn't understand that the fundamental idea which is the idea of monotheism, which is what God is about. God is not just the God of the people of Israel, just like, as Yiftach used in his own language, just like the God of Kemosh, it gave to the people of, who, who that's the name of the God of the Ammonites, gave to them what they have. So our God, he's, he's in charge of us, and your God is in charge of you. And it, we and therefore and and it's that logic which leads to how do you worship this God? Well, we sacrifice, we give him because that's the whole idea of polytheism. Is 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 appeasing that God, sacrificing to that God, and so on. And the ultimate sacrifice I could give is a person who walked, and that was what was very common in those days, as we see we see we saw repeatedly. Um, that in in Canaan that was the practice um, was to uh, and we uh, to to give human sacrifices. So, so and, and Yiftach, therefore, logically, does what he thinks is the most, um, the most, uh, how should I say, the most, um, devo- the, the, the most devoted act he could possibly do and, and promise he can make to God is to bring God a human sacrifice. Now, Vayavor Yiftach al-Bnei Amon bam, then Yiftach then went, after making this vow, he went to, uh, uh, and he 
uh, out to encounter the people of Ammon to wage war against them. And victory came to him. He struck down the Ammonites. came and he struck them down. Until um, from Aroer all the way until you get to Minit. 20 cities he captured from them, Viad Avel Kramim, all the way to Avel Kramim, Maka Gedolomiot, a tremendous victory over them. By Yikon Ubne Amon Mipnebne Israel. And the people of Ammon, who had been, been oppressing the people of Israel, were finally subdued uh, before the people of Israel. So now Yiftach is victorious. Vayavo Yiftach Hamitzpa El Besel. And Yiftach then comes to. Mitzpah, which is the region of Gil, the region of Gilad, where um, his home was, and his daughter was coming to greet him. Bitupim uvim cholot with with um, uh, uh, timbrels and 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 dancing. and she was the only child that he had. obas. He did not have any other son or daughter. He had his his only child, his daughter comes out to greet him, dancing and playing an instrument, comes out of his house. And it was when he saw her, he tore his clothing, Whoa, my daughter, You have brought me down, and now you have become what makes me Miserable, you have brought been. I have opened my mouth to God and I cannot draw it back. I made a promise to bring the first person that comes out of the house as a sacrifice to God, and once I made that promise, I have to. Again, this this shows the incredible, incredible um, uh, misunderstanding that Yiftach had as to who God is and what God is. This is not a promise that needs to be kept. Um, but um, Yiftach made this promise, and um, in his mind, he's thinking he has to make the ultimate sacrifice. And she said to him, her reaction was astounding as well. My father, you opened your mouth to God. Do to me that which you have spoken. Because God has done for you, given you revenge against your enemies, the people of Ammon. So she says, I will be a willing sacrifice. And she says to her father, Let this one thing be done for me before I go um, and become the sacrifice. Um, Leave me alone, like for two months. The and I will go and I will go down into the mountains. and I will cry over my, my literally that means over my, uh, uh, over my friends, my young, uh, my my. I'm, I'm sorry. I will cry over my virginity. Literally is what it means, meaning that I will cry over the fact that I had never had a chance to marry, never had a chance to raise a family, never had a chance to. To live a life, I and my friends will do this together. So Vayomer, he says, go do that. He sent her away for two months. And she and her friends went. And she cried over her, her, her maidenhood, 
in the mountains. It was at the end of the two months. She returned to her father. And he did to her that promise that he had made. And she had never known a man. In other words, she had never, she had never had a chance to marry. And it became a a custom. A set custom in, uh, in among the people of Israel. I, I will point out that Nidro Asher Nodar, according to the medieval commentaries, uh, Radak and others, explain that it means that not that he actually sacrificed her, but she became like a hermit. She lived in a house by herself and didn't have contact with other people and never married, etc. Um, but I already explained what uh, it's the, the meaning of the um, words, the way they read simply. And what this simply means. Yamima, uh, and what was this custom that became fixed in verse 40 from for that uh, for, for many years on, Telachna Benot Israel, the daughters of Israel would go litanot levatiftacha giladi to um to chant uh, morning songs over the daughter of Yiftach of Gilad, Arbat Yamim for four days per every year. There was the period of time when they would go and sing uh, morning uh, memorial songs over the loss of Yiftach's daughter. Now this is um, obviously, uh, uh, you know, uh, for those that weren't familiar with this before, that are first learning about this, or last time they read about this was many years ago, this is a very, very disturbing episode. Um, and it doesn't, you don't need me to describe and explain why this is disturbing. Because clearly this is not what... Um, God wants. That kind of promise is not what God wants, and God made this extremely clear throughout the Torah many times. Most importantly, of course, is in the sacrifice of, of, um, of uh, the, the binding of Isaac, the Akedat Yitzchak, where God explicitly told Abraham, I do not want child sacrifice, I'm not interested. And God said over and over and over again, I don't want you to be like the people of Canaan who sacrificed their children. I don't want that. I think that one of the other most famous places where God made this extremely clear is in one of the most famous verses that we studied together in this podcast, of course, is in Micah 6, um, verse uh, 6, where God says, and I'll read it now, I'm just pulling it up. Um, uh Right, verse 6. Micah is making clear what it is that God wants from us. What does God want from us as people? With what shall I approach God? With what shall I uh, pay homage to the, the God of heaven? Should I give him uh, sacrifices? Uh, uh, should I give him uh, year-old calves? Does God want all these ram sacrifices? Does he want uh, pouring... Uh, 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 ton, myriads of, of oil shall I give my firstborn and to atone for my sins shall I give my own child to, to atone for my sins no this is not what God wants God he has told you already what he wants and what God wants from you all he wants is he wants you to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk 
modestly or humbly with your God. So Micah made it clear and Jeremiah made it clear and, and in the Torah we saw in Devarah many times over and over and over again um, this message that Yiftach did not get. Now we will find soon as we read, this, this concludes chapter 11, as we read chapter 12 um, and we will see what happens with Yiftach's leadership, how, how um, uh, you know, what the ultimate end of it is and, and, and what happens and how, how it descends into greater chaos and disunity among the tribes. So this is a painful, painful episode to read, uh, difficult to understand. Um, I did, I think, my best I, that I could at reading what the words mean and what the psukim actually state. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, we get a, the, a deep sense of pain when we realize just how low the people had sunk to the extent that, that their leader, Yiftach, who himself thought he was being loyal to God, to how, just how low things have gotten. Thank you so much for studying chapter 11 together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 12 and, of course, the rest of this book of Judges together.